Hello. What's going on? This is uh, Toothy Toad. It's Dr. Walter Rocca. This is Dr. Kradak, as always. All right. And uh, we actually have a special guest. I'm very excited about this guest because, again, once again, there's somebody that knows more than I do and more than you completely. So he's an expert. There's a, there's a, <laughs> wait, why do you have to lump me in? No, no you, know, you don't know much. <laughs> About oh, pediatric wow, okay. dentistry. Okay, this okay. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you you have to you have to specify. Tell me I'm wrong. You just can't just say knows more. <laughs> you gotta specify. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. He might know more. Period. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Doctor Freddie Wilkes is here. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Oh man, good I can't be complain. here. We're, um, we're glad we're glad to have you here. He's gonna do kind of our part two pedo yes. section. Yes, pediatric a lot. dentist. Um, we got a lot that we talked about the last time, but the mm-hmm. basics, but we're mm-hmm. going to kind of go into more depth this time, right? That's right. Yeah. He's going to be the one that's going to educate us about, you know, sedation and all the issues that go on with that, right? We've, we've seen in news a lot of people that, uh, unfortunately kids passing away, dying from people who aren't knowledgeable enough to do sedation. And I'm probably going to get in trouble. For oh, wow. <laughs> I am. I, I feel like every time I talk, I get an email about it. Uh, we're probably going to get truth. another email. Thank but it's the truth. That. No, it's the truth. I mean, honestly, <laughs> Dr. Wilkes is, is, is well-versed in that. He went to school. He's a pediatric dentist. So he's going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about other stuff from but, stainless but, steel. But before we get into what we're going to – I have to talk about tomorrow. You're we're, upset about something. <laughs> yes, yes. Are, are you working tomorrow? So tomorrow is what? Tomorrow is Martin Luther King's birthday. Yes, um, Martin but Luther yes, King. Yes, I am working. Tomorrow. Okay, I know I'm working. Doctor Wilson, uh, you working? I'll be there. Okay, see, I have a problem with this. In what way? I mean, I know where I, I want to go with this. I, I, I feel <laughs> it's like racism. I, I feel like I shouldn't be working. Exactly. Why is it racism to you? <laughs> okay. Well, start off with I'm from Ghana, okay. right? And and if so I didn't, didn't know yet. The, I didn't go through the struggle, right? Huh? My, 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 uh, let's be honest. My family might have been the ones that kind of said, "Hey, look." See that guy right there? You better go get him. Oh, you, 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 your family oh, told man. my family to get on the boat. Oh, Thanks. We might have oh, been wow. trained. Because <laughs> okay. I don't know Thanks. anybody that, was, <laughs> that, that came to the, to the U.S. So you're saying you sold my people out. Okay. You might right. have. Oh, but it is what it is. It's all but bad. I, still, I feel bad. I feel bad, right? 400 years, I still I feel bad. Right? <laughs> and so to, yes, tomorrow, I'm going to sit back. And I wanted to think about what my family did. And I won't be able to do that because I got to deal with people tomorrow. I got to deal with my patients. You're going to have to. I and can't meditate on Martin Luther, King. Martin Luther King. Every time I work on, on his birthday, I always have a have a black patient that looks at me like, why are you here? <laughs> I, I have the day off. Why are you still working? It does something to you. Yeah. It, it hurts it my feel, soul yeah, a little bit. It. No, please tell us. <laughs> you feel it a little bit, man. It's, it's, it's one of those those things like, you know, you see the little the tear drop down your eye when y'all make contact <laughs> with each other. but. It's it's kind of painful. I can see in your eyes right now. Oh man, hurt. I'm tearing up right now. I'm Are trying you, to keep it together though. No, give a, give your, give yourself a moment. I'm trying to have, give yourself a moment. Do you have any, is there any tissue? No, I'm gonna get him a tissue, please. Okay, the man is hurt. He's on our show, and you're about to make him. I I, I feel his pain. It's okay you're the only one that can't feel his pain. Look, I, I can't because my family started this. My family is the reason why we all have to talk. So about I've this. I've heard of white guilt, but apparently there's Ghanaian guilt too. There is Ghanaian. There's African guilt. Okay, that's what There is Ghanaian guilt. And uh, I'm sorry. Well, Someone I'll has take, to say something. I'll, I'll take you. I'll I, was, take I wasn't that. talking yeah, to Doctor. I wasn't talking yeah. to Kradok though. Oh, I'm talking, <laughs> to, you. I'm talking to you. Thank you. Heartfelt. You know, I appreciate cares. it. He doesn't care. I appreciate. There's it. not a single time you've actually felt any kind of remorse about this. What are and you all of a sudden, about? he you see Doctor Wells. He he's, sens- he's sentimental. He's the kind of guy that you know. You're like you know what? He's a good guy. You. So 19 episodes and I still get no respect. I get, <laughs> man. Man. That's, I but, see how you do. Okay. But you know what? Ah, oh, man. You're right. Martin Luther the King. You know what I mean? We gotta, exactly. We got to take a moment. Let's get a moment real quick. 
Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I felt good about that. You did. That felt okay. Good. Yeah, All right. we're good. Somewhere, so somewhere, someone's taking a knee, and I hope, I'm mad at, I I'm, hope I'm so. Joking. No, I will no. take a knee tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> take a at knee. work. I'm going to take a knee tomorrow at work, right in front of all some of my patients, <laughs> oh, my man. select patients. It's going to be on the news. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to take a knee in front of the, in front of my office. Oh, Dennis man. is jailed for taking right. <laughs> anyway, well, let's uh, let's you know we we brought you on here not just for this, right? Right. Even, even though uh, we could talk about this forever um but we brought you on because you're an expert with kids and you're an expert you're you're actually very very good at what you do i've definitely worked with appreciate you. that man and thank I, you no, no, it's the truth i really work i've worked with you and i know how good you are and again i say this and i say this a lot but the patience that you have to have to work with kids incredible yeah, yeah. It's, it true. takes a lot man you know it really does and i definitely appreciate you for that so let's let's jump right in okay let's talk about sedation dentistry okay. let's talk about sedation when it comes to kids Okay. What are some of the reasons why kids need to be sedated? So I look at every patient. Let's let's just say, let's do an example. We have, let's say we have a four-year-old patient comes in, do the exam, and they have, let's say, five, six cavities. And I always tell the parents, you know, when we're going through treatment planning, obviously we know we cannot do this in the chair, just like how an adult would do this. So we already know we can't just do it without anything. Four-year-old, five cavities, probably not going to go too well with nitrous, laughing gas. And so now you're left with really two of the, the latter options, which is which would be an oral sedation or an IV sedation. For the most part, I always like to start off with, let's try to do an oral sedation first before we jump right into IV sedation. So you're looking at age, you're looking at behavior, you're looking at the amount of work. Sometimes, the, I mean, and they even throw in the if the patient has to travel a, lar- a long distance to get there, if they're traveling an hour and a half to get to your office. That's also, you know, a reason for sedation as well. What about um, badass kids? <laughs> that right there. Is that a reason? A- a- that's one of the number that, one that's reasons. A, that's a, the clinical diagnosis. Right. Badass right. kids. Badass kids. Badass kids. Right. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's your main thing. So, you know, if you're looking at trying to do good work and trying to do trying to do it in a reasonably like you know you want to be a, in a safe environment you got to go the oral sedation route instead of just trying to and i always tell parents too that's another thing you know they ask well what about papoose you know what about just mm-hmm. wrapping them up and for me what i've for me personally i've just noticed that for me that doesn't really work too well so the papoose yeah. doesn't work so you not said papoose me. that's they're they're laying down they're completely right. restrained Completely right. restrained, arms and legs. And like I always tell people, that is an acceptable way of treatment. So I don't want parents to think that that's not an acceptable way for their kids to get their treatment. But for me personally, it just, what I've seen is that, you know, you get a lot of kids who are traumatized, obviously. I right. mean, if I strapped you down and did something on you. That's crazy. Dental wise, yeah. you know, you would, it would affect you. Right. So yeah. now that's an uphill battle that you're having to deal with. So. I try to stay away from the papoose as much as I can unless it's a have to do situation. But, you know, oral sedation is usually the way I, I try to go first in terms of like behaviorally trying to get something done. And it's interesting you said about traumatizing them because every single day I deal with the patient that says they're traumatized. Exactly. And I, ask them, I always exactly. ask them what happened. What happened? Well, I don't really know. I, I don't really remember. I usually take that as it's probably something that happened when you were, you were, a, child. were a child. Right. You, right. Know? you don't know why you're scared, but you know you're scared to come to see me. And these are grown 40-year-old men, you exactly. know, arm full of tats, tats <laughs> on their face, scared, scared, scared to death of me. To sit in the chair. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm sure you have the same, Dr. Ackman. You're like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a metal uh, screw in your head. <laughs> I don't, well, I start, start off, I don't say it like that. But really, you're right. It comes down to what the pediatric dentist or someone who saw that 
person when they're a little did to them. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I feel exactly. like you guys are literally the gatekeepers exactly. for, for the rest of us. Yep. So mm-hmm. don't screw them up because then <laughs> we're going to have to deal with them. And that's what I always, that's what I try to get across the parents is it's just like, you know, this is the beginning. This is the foundation. If we start off bad here, then it's going to be a uphill battle and they will, they're not even going to want to step foot in this office. Very true. Because I do get a yeah, lot of that. I do. A lot of yeah. people that have perio disease, they're like, oh, I haven't seen a dentist in 20 years because yeah. when I was a kid, this was what happened. Fear is real, man. Oh, for sure. And that's what, if you can, I feel like a good pediatric dentist can identify that. And if you can get the kids on your side and be relatable and get them to where you can tap into that fear and let them know that it's okay and they don't have anything to be scared of and that you're not there to hurt them. And if they trust you, then that's half the battle. That that is the biggest battle right there. If they don't trust you, if a kid doesn't trust you and they're still scared, it's game over. It's going to be really hard to do some good work. You know, when um, uh, whenever I have, because um, I I do have kids that that come with families and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and um, they say they do need treatment. I'll, I'll I'll tell them, you know, especially if it's extensive treatment. Hey, I need to refer you out uh, just so. It, your 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 child is seen in a in an environment where they're gonna right. get the best treatment. Right. I don't want to traumatize them. I feel like I always get the push from mom and dad. Like I come here, you're just adding another thing to to. I I want to be able to do the treatment, but right. to your point, I don't want to scar them yeah. forever because I'm not gonna be as patient as you. I can't be as patient as you. Um, uh, I why, try why, to be. Why can't you be as patient? No, as I mean I try. Okay, but I, I, but <laughs> I, I feel, feel like, like you're I fall short. Huh? Yeah, you sure you're not attacking these kids? I, I'm I'm not. I just I I have I'm I'm very. I try to treat all my patients, you know, the way I would want to be treated. I listen to right. what makes them scared mm-hmm. and their fears, and and I, I try to tap into see what exactly is the problem, so we can get past that. And if it's something we can work around, I do my best. But so, you can't always, especially with kids, they they may not communicate what it is that they're right, they're right, scared of. Right. Well, so there there it is. One question I have mm-hmm. is which what's more important, communication and connection with a kid. The child mm-hmm. or with the parents in your mind? Ooh. That's a good question. No, that is. I felt good about that. <laughs> that is. <laughs> you know, honestly, I feel like I'd say it's probably like a 70-30, 60-40 split, but I would always lean toward the kid. Okay. Because at the end of the day, that's who you're you're having to do the work on. You know, the parents are gone and out of the room, but if the kid, if they don't want to do anything, that's the one, like, you're not going to get them to do it. You know, and even, you know, you have certain instances where the parent is, you know, they're telling the kids, sit down in the chair, do this and this and this. And if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. But if they trust you and they like you and they believe you, they'll do it. So if it, that that's the battle, that's, that's the, you know, that key to me is if you can get, if you can get the kids to listen to you and, and believe what you're saying and, and give them some kind of like trust and hope, then that, that, that plays a, a big part in behavior management. One thing you mentioned. So, are, do you have the parents in the room when when you're doing treatment? Good on the question. Kids? So, in the past, like when I trained in residency, we had all the parents in the room. Mm-hmm. So, I when I when I first got to Houston and started working, I didn't have any you know real major issue with it. But just for consistency, because so all the doctors were doing the same thing in our office, we we didn't we don't have parents back there for actual treatment, especially during the sedation because you're monitoring vital signs, you know, heart rate. Um, O2 sats and stuff like that. So you're, you're trying to focus on the work. And so we don't have parents in there for sedations. If it's it, case by case, if I'm doing just regular restorative treatment with nitrous, if I feel like the patient will do better with the parent, which does happen occasionally, then I'll keep them in. Okay. 
Um, but generally, parents are outside of the room for restorative treatment or oral sedations or anything like that. Definitely IV sedations as well. Okay. Do you find that parents cause more problems than Sometimes, yes. Yeah. And I say that as, I'll give you a couple examples. So sometimes kids just come in for a normal cleaning. Mm -hmm. No cavities, perfect hygiene. And then the parents say, well, you you know, if you don't sit down over there in that chair, he's going to give you a shot. (laughs) So now they're on edge because they're thinking, when I pick up the mirror to go and do the exam, they're thinking, is he going to give me a shot? They don't know what's going to go down. You know, five, six, seven-year-old, they don't know the process of that I'm just going to be looking, doing a clinical exam. Um, so that's one. That's a time where I would say parent actually hurts. You know, or two, some parents can, if they just, you know, we, we call them like helicopter parents sometimes, you know, they, they hover over. And there's nothing wrong with that. I always tell parents, look, I understand these are your babies. You know, you love them. I understand you want the best for them. So I'm not going to tell any parent how to do anything with their child. That's their child. But sometimes you can be a little bit too overbearing and it doesn't even give the, and some, a lot of times you see the kids aren't even, they're not even really scared, but the parents are projecting their fears Mm. from what happened to them as children Mm. onto the kids (laughs) and, and then it's like, they're, they're trying to make the kids scared. Like, yeah, this is going to happen. And that might hurt a little bit. And you're like, you're saying in your head, why are you telling them that? It's not going to hurt at all. We're not. We're just doing a feeling. It's not going to hurt at all. So then I guess it's kind of what they, what they went through. Exactly. The they just pass it on down. Pass it on down. Yeah. Yeah. So they, oh, it's yeah, like, they, back. this is going to hurt. Why would you say it? Right. Kid that? And you, th- and they think that they're doing a good service, you know, to their kid by preparing them when in actuality, nothing is supposed to be hurting. You so know? what advice would you give to parents? I always tell parents the my number one thing is don't let's not have any, let's not talk to them about the shots, you know, the injections, because we use a prescription topical that by the time and once the kids are on nitrous and they're nice and relaxed, we have a TV above. So they're watching their favorite movie. They're all nice and relaxed in the chair. By the time we rub that prescription topical on there, and this isn't like your typical, you know, just regular old topical that you get from this place. This is actually compounded in a pharmacy. It's a really good topical for kids that. I would say 95% of the time when you inject, they don't even feel it. Which, what, what's the topical? So it's a mixture. Adults. It's no, a mixture of it. like really? lidocaine, tetracaine. Yeah, it's a, it's a three, it's a three, uh, drug topical. Really? Um, I'll have to get you the prescription, the exact Yeah, don't say the name. It. Yeah, but it's. Get free promotion. <laughs> <laughs> but, but man, when I tell you, I will never practice again and not use that topical. Nice. It, it is that, that it is that effective. Oh, yeah. They really? do not feel the injection. So it's like they're they're if they're already scared about that, and like I said, ninety five percent of the time I inject in there, kids don't even know they had a shot. So that's the one thing I tell parents: Hey, before this restorative appointment, please do not say he's going to jab you with a needle. He's going to give you a shot. That's it's going to hurt. But no, no, most of the kids don't even know you've given them a shot. And with with pedo, and this is just my personal opinion. I feel like if you can get past the shot, if you can get past the injection, it's smooth sailing after that. It's just sitting back, relaxing, let me work real quick. Boom, we're done. You know, so. Well, I, I wasn't going to go with this route, but let's continue yeah, this yeah. Uh, discussion because I think it's really good. What do you do after, you? now you've given them a shot, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. their lips and everything, it's right. numb. Mm-hmm. So what do you tell parents when they're going home with this kid? Just basically. Yeah, just giving them right. a traumatic. Yeah. 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 So I always tell parents, patient is going to be numb. And I always add a little bit of extra time on it too. You know, instead of saying, 
you know, we know that the the anesthetic should wear off in 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever. But I always tell them two hours. And I say, hey, look, patient is going to be numb. I show them exactly where we anesthetize. And I say, look, if you see them sucking on their lip, biting on their lip, keep an eye out on them because they will swell their lip up really big. They'll create a traumatic ulcer down there. It's going to hurt. And I was like, there's really nothing you can do for it other than just letting it naturally heal. So watch them. Make sure you keep an eye out on them. If they send them back to school, I say, hey, make sure you let the teacher know because they'll sit there and inadvertently they'll create this huge sore on them. And soft foods, making sure they're not doing a lot of chewing so they accidentally catch their tongue or their lip or anything like that. And and my wife gets on me about this, but I'm a big believer of repeating things. So my both of my parents are teachers. So I grew up in a household where they would always tell me things multiple times. So before the patient leaves, when the parent initially walks back, I tell them about that, about the numbness and what not to do. Before they, while they're in the room, I have my assistant tell them. So while the patient is breathing the nitrous, recovering, my assistant tells them. They all know to do this. And then before they leave out again, I tell them. So they hear it three times. And I feel like if you know what to expect going in it, if it happens, that means I'm not going to get a call because they already know how to treat it, what to do and what happened. Or if it doesn't happen, it's because they were paying attention saying, hey, Dr. Wilkes told me, watch out for this. And it doesn't happen. So I I cover my bases by being repetitive. That's good. That's good. That's actually really good. I think that would... Stand for any and everything. I know. Right? I'm like, I probably should do this. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when you're at home with your wife. Then, no, no, don't do then it doesn't that. then it doesn't go too well. Exactly. Then you become annoying. Exactly. Just, don't, just don't say anything. Right. I've learned to just not say anything. So You're right, honey. That's right. Yeah, so you're you're we, right. We started off on this sedation track. Um, mm-hmm. What about, so we talked about a, a, a child that needs multiple right. um, treatment, multiple teeth need treatment. Okay. What about the parent that comes in with the kid? He has one filling. He has one uh, one tooth that's a problem. And they want sedation for that too. What what do you tell that parent? If I see that behavior is going to be an issue, ideally you don't want to sedate for one tooth. Mm-hmm. But if that's the only way, if you if you troubleshoot through everything and that's the only way that you're going to be able to get this done, minus jumping all the way to IV or ketamine or anything, then we'll sedate. But ideally for one tooth, I would like to try it in the chair to try to do it with nitrous to see if we can do a little bit of tail show do and get in there. Depending on what it is and how complicated it's going to be, if it's just going to be one filling or, you know, maybe one crown, one pulping crown, I'm going to try to do that with nitrous first. And if that fails, then I feel like that kind of gives you the justification to jump to oral sedation. Okay. You know, to kind of work your way down the line. Have you ever had a situation where you start off with nitrous or something Mm -hmm. and parents in the waiting area, the kid screams, you haven't did anything to the kid, but Mm -hmm. the kid is scared or whatever. Mm -hmm. Parent comes back like, "What are you doing to my to my son uh, or daughter?" Mm-hmm. Ha- has that happened to you? Thank God, I have no. I haven't had okay. that. But <laughs> now have the the scenario not with the parent coming back saying like, "What are you doing?" But because and I always tell parents that's another thing. I always tell parents to and remind me to get back on track to your question though. Uh-huh. But I always tell parents, even though you can't stay in the room, all of our all of our doors, all of our treatment doors have glass windows. So at any point in time, if you want to come back and check on your child. Feel free to come back and check. You can even stand here, you know, for a minute or two. But we just ask you to, you know, if there's other kids getting treatment or work done, you know, just respect that because that's that's a HIPAA violation. You know, you can't be sitting back here watching other kids get treatment done. So I feel like if they feel comfortable that they can come back there at any point in time and see, then they're usually good. Okay. Um, but if I have had kids where right we try to start the treatment, it doesn't happen often, like I said, but 
you try to start the treatment with nitrous, you might not have even injected yet, or sometimes you may have injected and they're just waiting and you're about to put in the isolation, the iso dry, and then they kind of freak out. At that point, if we can't move past that, then we got to go to something else. Yeah, stronger. Mm-hmm. We got to go to, we got to go to the sedation route because at that point, and what I always tell the parents too is at that point, we're getting in a situation of safety because I'm using a, a handpiece and a burr that can cut through a tooth like butter. And if they're in there moving or they're not being cooperative, then we'll go from doing dentistry to go to doing plastic surgery. And I don't want to do that. Oh, so, well said. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I like that line. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I like that line because when, when I'm referring to, to out, to pedo, right. I need lines like that so that <laughs> they understand. Because sometimes make sure the patient's just like... Make sure you charge him. Because uh, he's going to use that. Yeah, you know, copyright that. He's going right. like, to copyright that. That was gonna, a good he's one. He's going to act like it was his. I like that. Um, so yeah. let's, let me go somewhere that's not okay. as happy, unfortunately, right? But when it comes to sedation, okay. you want you read in the news, right. a child died in the arms of a dentist mm-hmm. that sedated them. And it started off with, oh, they only came in for this. And all of a sudden, the, the child was unresponsive, right. not breathing. Right. So talk us to one, what could have possibly happened? Mm-hmm. Right. And two, how somebody was, and I don't want to say careless, but that's what I'm going to use right now because mm-hmm. I mean, I feel passionate. You don't know all the facts though. I'm going to say careless because again, you said something that was very smart. You said you monitored and I do sedation. So monitoring is key. Right. Yeah. You right, don't right, just, you, know. you don't just, right. you know, it doesn't just pop up. It's something that gradually happens. It, all of a sudden the kid isn't breathing. Then that's not really the case it's like okay well you saw their 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 stats right you know their oxygen there's stats some indicators down. yeah exactly so they're indicators so talk to me about one you know what could have possibly happened mm-hmm. you know the drugs that you guys used that could have possibly caused that right. problem and then two how you feel about the stories that go out there and i think there was one recent too yeah one in arizona uh, yeah. where unfortunately a four-year-old lost their life and it was a, like a 25 million dollar lawsuit or settlement them, so I'm sure it was even more yeah. than that on the and, table. And I mean, I don't care who you are as a parent, right. that's, that's never going to make up for yeah. your child. Right. You know? yeah. But right. please. I mean, oral sedation, man, it's, it's always... So for me, the two, the two drugs that I typically use for oral sedation is I'll use hydroxyzine, which is almost like a, a, a glorified Benadryl. It's a, like has antihistamine properties and stuff like that. It does deals with uh, affecting the central nervous system. The the big one though is Demerol. Demerol is a narcotic, and Demerol can contribute to central nervous system depression, uh, respiratory depression, uh, cardiovascular depression, stuff like that. So, what you tend to see typically, and I don't know all the facts on all the different cases because there's a lot of right. things that could have gone you wrong. You don't have to, but what you typically end up running into is usually an issue with overdosing. So let's let's take for instance Demerol. Demerol is like I said a narcotic that slows down central nervous system heart breathing. If you have a kid who has eaten and they're not MPO, meaning that they haven't had anything to eat or drink eight hours prior to the sedation, that can cause an issue. Kids can throw up, aspirate, goes into the lungs. You're in an issue there, which could cause ultimately death. Second thing could be you're not paying attention with how you're measuring out these drugs. So these drugs have a maximum doses that you can give based on weight. And Demerol, the max is five milliliters. So, I mean, think about how small that is. Mm-hmm. 
let's just say you're in there, somebody's talking to you, hey, Dr. Wilkes, how's your weekend? You're in there mixing up the drugs. Instead of putting in five mLs, you forget that you already put in five mLs when you're mixing up your drugs and you put in an additional five. So now you gave them double. And when they take that, you're gonna they're gonna go from a regular conscious sedation that you're probably gonna throw them into a deep sedation, almost like GA, general anesthesia almost. Where you basically have to breathe for them. You, exactly. You know? right. So you've already depressed the respiratory system. Or let's say you have a kid that comes in and they're sick. And you don't identify the signs that they're stuffy, they got this wet cough and they're hacking up stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, you know what, it'd be cool. I'm just doing two teeth. I'm going to go ahead and sedate them anyway. So their respiratory system is already depressed Mm -hmm. and they're having issues with satting. Now you're going to give them another respiratory depressant. So those are like all little areas. Somebody not being NPO, not paying attention to how much you're mixing, kid being sick and, and just thinking, um, I can get by with this, you know, and it doesn't work out like that, you know, or the biggest thing too, with kids that, that always, Oral sedations always have me on edge, you know, when I do them and I, and I feel like when you're, when, when you're on edge like that, you, you're always, you know, you're thinking, you're making sure you're double checking. I, I know my assistants probably get, they probably like, oh, Dr. Wilkes gets on my nerves, <laughs> but I triple check and quadruple check the amount of drugs I give. See, and that, well, see that's the important thing right there. That's yeah. It. You have to. And when I'm, and when I'm doing it, I do it myself. I measure up everything and I have my assistant there double checking and we will say to each other five mLs of Demerol. She'll confirm five mLs of Demerol. I'm putting five mLs of Demerol in. You're putting five mLs of Demerol in. So we know. And as soon as I get done with that one bottle, I close the cap up. I set it to the side all the way away from me so I can't make the mistake of grabbing that again. Mm. And hydroxyzine and Demerol look alike. They're both clear liquids. They're both kind of thick. You touch them, it feels like cough syrup. You can't tell the difference between either one of them. Hydroxyzine, you can give a lot more of volume-wise, but... Uh, Demer, I mean, it's, st- it's still a max of 50 milligrams, but it's, it's different in the syringe. But if you mess up, man, you, it's that little simple mistake could be the reason. And that's a lot. I, I think that that's a lot of reason why a lot of these cases go wrong. Like right. it's an overdose issue. Right. Even the same thing with the lidocaine or septicaine, whatever kind of anesthetic you're using, you're giving these kids narcotics. Um, and sometimes, you know, double, triple cocktails, whatever you, whatever you use, you're giving them nitrous oxide, you're giving them, uh, anesthetic, local anesthetic in a little body that weighs 30, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. And another big issue with that is an adults, we've had time to figure out what's wrong with our body. So we know if we're allergic to shellfish, we know if we have, you know, a heart arrhythmia, or if we run, we get asthma-induced exercise, whatever. A three, four-year-old hasn't had a chance to go through all those little lessons. So, you know, and that's why I give a lot, of, a, a little bit of leeway on like some of these cases that happen because you may sedate a kid and they have an undiagnosed heart condition or they have some kind of issue with their liver, with metabolize or kidneys and the way they metabolize stuff and you give them something and it just overwhelms their little body and now you're in a whole big situation. And you could, you could have done everything right. They could have not been sick. They didn't eat anything. You measured up everything perfect. But 30 minutes or 60 minutes after you give them that meds, boom, they stop breathing. Or, you know, you start to notice their blood pressure is rising or blood pressure dropping or, you know, you don't know. So you got to get I give a little bit of leeway on it because you never know exactly what happens. But in, a lot of times in those issues, what they tend to find out is that there was some kind of there was some kind of miscalculation somewhere. 
there was something that wasn't caught, and and it ends up ending bad, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I won't, I won't get too upset about it next time. Then maybe you know. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> so now, maybe you can talk it's still, me down. It's still, man. It, <laughs> yeah. It's still a. It's a sad situation, man. Truly, it, it really is. It's and a sad situation. Yeah, and you know, and and again, like you said, I think you said it beautifully. You don't want to assume the worst of the person who right, right. was the one treating. Right. You know. Uh, but I always seem. To, I always seem to find it. It's kind of more of. Um, like you said, miscalculation, right, right. more of like, okay, you know what? I, I was the person was in such a rush; they didn't take their yep. time to do, yep. right? And I, like you said, sedation is something that you don't play around with. Exactly, play around exactly. With. You can't. Man. So, so again, the key is to be cautious, double, triple, quadruple yep. check before you do anything like right. that. Right? It's not like you just give a little boy anesthesia. Right, right. right. You're doing something like you said will suppress and depress their exactly. uh, respiratory. Um, let's talk before we'll wrap this up here because my god, I feel like we can talk forever. Man, and I mean, I'm, learn, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm a, learning I'm a, a lot. I'm long winded too. Man. Thirty minutes. No, no, oh man, it's awesome. I it, love it. It makes sense. You said your parents are teachers. Oh. So, I mean, he's man, teaching yeah. us. He's, exactly. He's, he's awesome. imparting knowledge. I like that. Well, let's let's kind of add something to it real okay. quick. Um, special need patients, because mm-hmm. you know, with them, you have to do some sedations. Well. Right, right. So, special needs patients, talk to us about, you know, when do you see them? How long do you see them? Right. Do you see them until they're 10, 20, 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, their whole life? I mean, when do you see them? How do you see them? How do you treat them different the first appointment right. than, you know, with kids that are not special needs? So I, I'm sorry. In, <laughs> in, in residency, we had, we had some patients that we followed that, uh, you know, different patients that may have had like Down syndrome or were autistic that we saw all the way. We were seeing them in their, their twenties, you know, um, and I think with pedo, I think it's a, it's a, you know, a little caveat where you can, you can see patients over the age of 18 if they have any type of special needs. I, I don't know the exact, like, you know, laws around that, but you can't, you can see them older than that. With kids though, you know, who have special needs, like, I feel like what I have the most success with is using a lot of like tell, show, do. It's the same, it's the same thing, man. With kids, they, they're all like, you know, it's, it's, if you can get a trust with them and you're not doing things, you're not, you're not moving too fast and doing anything like that. If you can explain everything, show them everything, let them hold the mirror, you know, let them hold the toothbrush, let them hold, you know, all the tools you're using and show them. And even with rewards too, afterwards, balloons, you know, we have toy machines in the front. What you tend to see is kids, they'll do, they'll do really good. They're, they're all, all similar when it comes to you know, in terms of like getting over that fear, that anxiousness of everything. So a lot of tell should do. And that's for everybody across the board. And when you can do that, you typically you'll be surprised. Like it works out really good. Uh, now, a lot of kids, sorry to cut you off no, too. No, no. A lot of kids, you know, who have any kind of like developmental delays or things like that. A lot of times you do have to end up doing sedations, whether it's oral sedation or IV sedation, depending on how much work is needed and how cooperative they are. But typically, like I still, I use the same old bread and butter tell show do. If I can, if I can explain everything and show them everything, they they typically will do really well. So you, so for just to clarify, so for all uh-huh. special needs patients, you don't have to sedate them. No, not all. Uh-uh. No, okay. not all. Uh, there, there's a good amount that yes, but I have I have a couple kids who are on the autism spectrum, and man, they do they do great. Done occlusals, some class twos, just with a little bit of nitrous TV. And sometimes they'll, you know, they'll bring their headphones. They they bring their own headphones in there and they're listening to their music in the zone. Some ext- I've done uh, extractions on kids um, who have autism. And yeah, it's, 
But yeah, you do find yourself that a lot of times if the behavior is a, is a really big issue and you have a lot of work to do, yeah, it's probably going to be better to end up doing a sedation. Okay. It just depends on the amount of work and what you feel like you can get away with. Well, th- this next question is, is something that's, uh, well, and Walt knows this. I- I'm not a fan of insurance. Really? <laughs> yeah, this, this is probably is- <laughs> the biggest understatement. Please go and listen to the insurance podcast <laughs> we did, and you will know his hatred for insurance well, companies. I, I I disagree. You, I, I held a lot of it back. I oh, was like, oh, oh you could have been worse. I, I could have been much worse. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so one of the things that I always get uh, when I refer a case out for whether they need special needs or uh, they have uh, a lot of work that needs to be done and there's behavioral I- issues, um, one thing that I always get is, oh, well, well, you can't refer this patient out because the insurance won't see them past the age of six. Right, right. It, it talk to me about that. Why does why do and it, and it's an insurance uh, dependent. So one insurance will say right. six, one will say eight, one will say tell they're not eighteen. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Do you ever have problems seeing patients uh, because the insurance won't cover them? So yes, you? sometimes you know uh, a lot of a lot of insurance companies they'll the, the kids have to meet a certain criteria to be able to be transferred from GP. To pedo. And then once the work is done, they have to go back to GP again. So I know for certain insurances, if the patient has, if the general dentist has tried to do the work and the patient was uncooperative uh, with their behavior, if they reached up and grabbed a hand or they, you know, were crying and wouldn't let you do any injections, sometimes you can write a letter to the insurance saying that due to behavioral issues, you know, work was not able to be done, needs to be referred to a pediatric dentist. And that'll suffice. If the kids need crowns or extractions, um, pulpotomies, things like that, if they if and I, and I don't know if it has to be a certain amount, like one or two teeth or two, at least two teeth or something like that, then they can be referred over. But there's like certain criteria that if they meet that in terms of restorative, you can refer them over. If they don't, then you can't. You I just see, gotta I deal see. with it. I remember I think the first podcast with Pedo, um, I asked this question, I'm gonna ask again. Uh-huh. I wanna get your opinion. The, I feel like every time we do something like this, the question I have is, what advice would you give parents who are looking for a pediatric dentist? Not everybody can come to you. So right, right. That. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to fly to Houston and go see him, absolutely. Recommend it. Yeah, but if you can't, how do you, what would you say are some of the good criteria to look for? You know what? Honestly, man, I what I tell parents all the time is that my ultimate goal for your child is to have a good experience. It doesn't matter like all the work you do. Like you don't know how good my class two filling is. You don't know how good my stainless steel crown is. You don't know what the pulp looks like. But you do know that when you leave out of the office after a cleaning, exam, x-rays, treatment, if your child is happy, you know, and I think that that's, that's half the battle. And if you can, if, if, if you're looking for a pediatric dentist, I feel like you should want them to have some kind of personality and be able to connect with your child. And that's, and the reason I say that is because the parents who come see me, they always say, oh, my, my, you know, you told my kid to stop sucking his thumb, you know, when he came in for his appointment, one week later, he was like, mom, I'm I'm done sucking my thumb. You know, it's, it's, if your pediatric dentist can connect with your child, then that's the, that, like I said, that's the foundation. That's getting them to brush their teeth, to floss, to have fun when they come in the dental office. So they're not seeing this as an appointment. They're seeing it. Oh, I'm coming to see Dr. Freddie today, you know, blah, 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 blah. So if you're looking for a pediatric dentist, if they're, if, and this is all my personal opinion, but if they don't have like any kind of personality or connection with your child, then it's like, you're just going through the motions. 
Okay. He's just oh, coming in okay. for something. Okay. I mean, that's very well said. One last question. Yeah. What's your favorite Disney movie? Go. What? Mm. No, he's a pediatric dentist. He has to have one. Okay. I would say, man. Oof. Oh, come on. You were so spot. good until. <laughs> well, see, see, here's the thing. So I just went to Disney World. Okay. With, with my sister, my parents, and my wife. Yeah. And so the first thing that pops in my head was Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh. But not to say that that's my. Favorite? I don't know, man. You kind of put me on the spot. Please, man. no, you got you. That was better. You, 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 you answer your, I can already say I know yours. What was it? I, I'm, I'm guessing it's Lion King. You're racist because I'm, <laughs> I'm from Africa. All of a sudden, it's got to be Lion away, King. Nah, 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 nah. Right. It, it is Lion King. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but uh, so all the questions I asked you, that was the one to stunt you, man. Yes. Really? You should have prepped me for that one, man. No. Or give me some multiple choice or something. Uh, that I right. can... So if if you have a, a kid coming to you, they want to watch a movie. What what is the movie you're like? I know this kid's gonna gonna watch this and check. Oh out. man, if it's if it's when Minions was real was was like new and out. Minions, Frozen. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. Um, and then uh, Boss Baby. Oh yeah, a lot of kids oh, well, like okay. Boss Baby. Uh, man, all those. I saw that new movie Coco. I mean, I think I think that's uh, and that was the you one saw it. Yes, and my wife took me to go see it. Oh, it's Moana. Is Moana a Disney movie? Moana. Yeah, Moana is yes. a Disney movie. A lot movie. of kids Disney. love Moana. They do. They do. Yeah, they love yeah. the song. I hear them singing. Oh about. man! Oh, right? <laughs> right? I just remember Frozen was huge. Oh, oh man! Like I, I mean, that was just crazy. Frozen plays in my head, man, all <laughs> all the time. Do you know what it's like to sit there and do restorative work uh-huh. over and over and over all day, and all you hear is like Frozen or Moana or something like playing in your head. That stuff plays and man, I could, when those songs come on, it's like a soundtrack to me. Like I'm singing. So next time we'll have you sing some hey, of those. Hey, you, uh, you bring up the soundtracks, <laughs> I can lay Frozen out. My man. I can my lay man. Frozen and out. And he is confident. Oh exactly. man. Well, we're definitely going to have to have you back on, man. We're going we're to wrap it up here, uh, but we're definitely going to bring uh, Dr. Freddie Wilkes back. Uh, I'm going to make that exact call since Walt never wants to have people back on. He always. This he always, might be the first time I say, yeah, he should come back on. Oh, so you agree? Okay, I know, he, he this is gross. So much. This is gross. And and you know, honestly, it was fun. It was a good time. Most it of the definitely time. was. And he had, he didn't disagree with me on anything. That that is the main thing. Oh man, yeah. that's that's Do the people one usually disagree with you on stuff. Yo, every time they even begin to disagree with me, they're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't even know if I give them a chance. Oh, there we go. Now I know how to get. I know how to get my permanent spot on the show. You're now just don't you're yeah, agree with everything. Out. For sure. But, uh, we want to thank you for coming in, and uh, for all our listeners, definitely give us questions. You know, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. But yeah, man, uh, that's that's it for today. Yeah, and if you, uh, if they have any questions for you, because we can't answer them, mm-hmm. if, if they want to reach out, they know how to reach us. If they want to reach out to you, what uh, email would you want to provide? Uh, they can email me at uh, frddwil at aol.com. AOL. Oh, well. That, man, take, old take school. Back. Old okay. school, man. I'm All not right, playing good. around. Well, thank you very much, my man. Really appreciate you, and you yes, are going to come back because we have other topics that we cool. can discuss mm-hmm. with kids. So, thank you very much. We appreciate yeah. you. All right, Enjoy. we'll see you guys right. next time. Thanks. Right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an s at gmail dot com. That's real dentist r e a l dentist with an s at gmail dot com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that. Our professional opinions, the final decision about your health, should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.